This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. You are intelligent. You make all the right decisions. You were smart before smart was cool, and you made it cool again. You have a wealth of knowledge, and you are so very clever. <laughs> I bet you already knew I was going to say that, you genius. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better when you hear you could save big when you switch to Progressive. But I'm pretty sure you already knew that, too. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. And Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Naveau and 670 The Score's hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! Welcome into this training camp preview edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score, Jay we are less than 24 hours away from the Chicago Blackhawks hitting the ice in Chicago for a training camp on a scale of one to 10, my friend, how excited are you to finally see this day on a scale of one to 10? I'm going to give it a solid seven. I'm ready for hockey to be here. Um, I'm sort of overwhelmed already with like just baseball and football, both like at least to this point are meaningful. Um, and now it just, as long as this offseason was, I think because it was so long, you kind of felt like hockey was never coming back. And now that it's here, it feels early. Like, does that make sense? Does that make any sense at all? Like, it, it's taken forever to get here. And now that it's here, I feel like it shouldn't be here yet. Well, I mean, it's still the weather is still warm outside. And it obviously it kind of snuck up on you a little bit, at least this year, because obviously after like a championship season or a deep playoff run, you kind of have that anticipation of like what's next. You know, you have like the kind of eagerness to get going again and see if your team can kind of repeat past success. But like you said, when your season ends in early April, I mean, it's been five months with no hockey. So your brain just kind of goes into you know, a different mode, I guess you could say. And I definitely can sense that with the Cubs playing, you know, the way they've been playing, even though it's been pretty shaky lately. Yes. The the Bears obviously being worth paying more attention to this season. The vibe is definitely different, but I'm still really excited to see guys get back on the ice. And frankly, to get back to doing what we do best, which is actually analyzing what's happening on the ice instead of just dealing strictly in hypotheticals. Well, and th- that's what I'm excited about. I'm, I'm so tired. We, I mean, this entire off season has been hypotheticals, be it what is Stan Bowman going to do at the cap space? The answer was nothing. Um, what's going to happen with Corey Crawford? When will he be back? We still don't really know a little bit more on that, obviously coming up right now, 
but I'm tired of speculation. I just want to see the team. I want to feel better about the Blackhawks than I have all spring and all summer because, frankly, it hasn't been a good feeling, and I think you're we, we've beaten this to death. We don't really need to get into why it hasn't been a nice-feeling summer again and why our expectations are pretty low. I'm just excited to see Blackhawks on the ice competing, trying to win jobs, trying to win games, and let's see what this team's all about. And, and sort of on that track, a lot of news in hockey today, but the most uh, important thing locally, obviously, is the report from Pat Boyle and later verified by Mark Lazarus of The Athletic, oddly enough, um, that Corey Crawford has resumed skating. He started skating. It was, again, this stuff is very vague when it comes to Crawford. He started skating a little while ago. We don't know if he's ready for game action or not. Uh, all these questions are going to answer tomorrow because uh, they report to camp tomorrow. That's when they go through the physicals. It's when the coaches and the GMs, and everyone's going to talk. So we should have some Corey Crawford answers on Friday. Um, but, man, I'm just so ready. Let's go. Like, if he's ready to go, I have a little bit different level of optimism. But as of now, I have no reason to believe he's ready to go. I sent a text to my uh, most valuable source inside the organization and said, dude, what gives? Like, what gives with Corey Crawford? Do we have any clarity? And he says, I'm as in the dark as you are. No one really knows what's going on. There's a few people at the very top that probably have a clue, but it's kind of like a coin toss at this point. No one really knows what the status of Corey Crawford is, but we're going to find out here in short order. Yeah, and that's obviously kind of the one domino that has the power to knock everything else over. I mean, we can talk all we want about whether Victor Edsel or Mackenzie Entwistle or Gustav Forsling is going to make this roster and make an impact on the team. But the fact of the matter remains that there is one straw that's going to stir this drink and at least give the Blackhawks a reasonable shot at getting back to the postseason. And that's a healthy and productive Corey Crawford. If you don't have him in net for 55 to 60 games this season, then simply put, you're not going to really go anywhere. Your defense isn't good enough. We've obviously gone over this a whole heck of a lot, but I mean, it's coming into even sharper focus now. Like these reports are great that Crawford is skating and that's obviously, you know, good news, but you got to remember he was skating in February too. And they shut him down. Right. Like this is just because he's back on the ice doesn't necessarily mean anything. What we're going to have to wait for is tomorrow when he comes in and uh, performs his physical and they kind of get a good sense of where he's at. And I'm sure they'll still remain vague about it. I'm sure they're not going to go, you know, oh, this is wrong with him and that's wrong with him. Unless he comes in tomorrow and completely aces the physical and is 100% ready to go, we're still probably going to get more vagueness from this team. And it's going to be kind of casting a shadow over this entire training camp because, like you said, I don't see a scenario where he's going to get into a preseason game, which, by the way, start on Tuesday. God. We're less than a week away from preseason hockey. And it's still, to me, a very valid question over whether he's going to be on the ice when they kick off the season against the now Eric carlson list Ottawa Senators. Like, I just don't have a lot of optimism that he's going to be. I still think Cam Ward is probably between the pipes night one. So unless something dramatic happens tomorrow when the team reports to the NB Ice Arena, I just I don't have a lot of optimism that Corey Crawford's going to be between the pipes, and I still think it's going to be a little bit of a process getting him back out on the ice. Yeah, and I don't want to assume I'm I'm balancing the fine line of like beating a dead horse and assuming that people hear all of our podcasts, but the thing that has bugged me about Crawford, the whole not Crawford, but the whole situation all summer, has been. 
how do the Blackhawks not know the status of their most important player? How do they not know if he's training, where he's training, how he's training, who he's training with, uh, what level of training he's doing? This mystery, this fe- and I said this on the score today. If Anthony Rizzo and, you know, let's say the Cubs win the World Series in Game 7, but he falls down and hits his head during the celebration and he's concussed, and where he's and the Cubs are asked all winter, Theo Epstein and Joe Madden, what's the status on Anthony Rizzo? And they just throw their hands up and say they don't care. That's un- or not that they don't care. They don't know. That's unacceptable. If Mitch Trubisky gets hurt at the end of this year and all summer, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace are asked what's the deal with Mitch Trubisky, and they say, you know what, we don't really know. We don't know if he's working out or not. That is unacceptable. How is it? For an organization that is, you know, renowned and thought of as like one of the best franchises in in hockey, let alone, you know, some people think in sports in general, uh, this for this reputation, they sure don't seem to have a clue what's going on with their most important player, and that to me is more concerning than anything. Yes, he's hurt. Yes, sir, maybe some other issues going on too. But I want the Hawks to know about it. Do they know about it? Are they lying? Are they protecting him? I don't know. But what they're doing is making themselves look stupid and are also letting uh, the fires of speculation rage by not addressing anything ever. Well, I mean, we've talked about it repeatedly that this entire thing of we expect him to be ready for the start of the regular season could have potentially been a Derrick Rose situation where they're trying to apply public pressure to him to get ready for the upcoming season. I mean, that option is still on the table. Sure. And we definitely have discussed that in previous podcasts. And like you said, we don't want to, you know, assume that everybody has heard every single podcast that we've ever done, but it's just, it's one of those very interesting things. Like you said, where we're still not exactly sure. And it's allowed that speculation to kind of run rampant all off season long. And it's really clouding again the start of training camp like the health of Corey Crawford is still the big story even after Blackhawks convention when we actually got to see Crawford face to face for the first time and even after all of this the focus should be on guys like Jonathan Taves can he end up coming back and actually becoming close to a point per game player at least like a 65 to 70 point a season player like the focus should be on stuff like that on the continued development of guys like Nick Schmaltz and Alex DeBrincat But instead, this is just the story that won't go away. And I get that hockey is definitely kind of a secretive sport. and You're never going to get the full answer on any injury ever because of the rules of the sport. Yeah. But it's just it's where we're at right now. And it's bizarre the way they've handled this whole thing. And just for the record, like a lot of people that dog hockey are like the upper body, lower body thing is stupid. Okay, fine. Like, I know it's not ideal as a fan to know that. But, like, what is it, what good does it do the Blackhawks to say, like, you know, Jonathan Taves has a really sore right shoulder. That doesn't help them. It doesn't help the team in any way. It doesn't help Jonathan Taves. All it does is it gives a guy like Ryan Reeves or, back in the day, Rafi Torres a target. So I get that. I get not wanting to let on specifically what the thing is. But when it's an issue like this where it's Corey Crawford and it's been the entire offseason, I think there should be a little more of an explanation. Again, and if you don't want to say he's got a concussion – He's dealing with off-ice issues. Whatever you think it might be, whatever it actually might be, which we don't know, just say, like, look, he's working towards recovery. He's been skating. He's been working out. We know where he is. We know what he's been doing. Even that would make me feel better. It's the fact that I don't know 
I don't know right now if Sam Bowman knows where Corey Crawford is or if he's going to be there tomorrow, or or and if he is, is he going to be ready to play? I don't even know that. Yeah, Let, can you imagine I mean, if tomorrow Corey Crawford did not report? Uh, he will. He'll report. But th- my point is, like, is Bowman sure? Like, when, when Corey Crawford walks in to the NBA Arena tomorrow, is Corey Crawford going to be ready to play? Does Stan Bowman know that? Does he have any idea at all? If Corey Crawford's gonna be ready to play, I doubt that. I really don't think he does. Yeah, I will. I will mention a caveat to what you were talking about about the lack of transparency with the Blackhawks and how upper body and lower body injury is a fine, well and good concept, but they're not like other sports where it's specific. Like in the NFL, you're listed on the injury report as right shoulder or whatever. The only reason the NFL has rules in place that force you to reveal injuries like that, I give you two-word explanation. I bet you can guess what it is. Gambling. Las Vegas. Yep. <laughs> yes. Like, that's the only reason the NFL does it, and they don't like to admit it, but it's because there's so much money gambled on the NFL. They know, like, yeah, we don't necessarily see a cut of that action, but it keeps people in- interested in our products, so we have to have that level of transparency in hockey obviously doesn't have to really worry about that because are people really flooding into Las Vegas to pour bets onto hockey? I don't think they are, but Definitely it's, just, not. it's hilarious <laughs> how not transparent hockey is, especially compared to the other three major sports. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't have, a, like I said, I don't have a huge problem with it. I get why fans get frustrated about it. Um, anyway, so Corey Crawford, obviously the big story. It has been all summer. Very excited for that story to end tomorrow one way or the other, hopefully. Um, but there's a lot of stuff to keep an eye on in camp here. Like the bottom six of this roster is pretty much up for grabs. If you would, I mean, because I think earlier in the summer, we talked about like Dylan Sakura and Victor Edsel is like shoe in. They're going to be part of the team every day, but they were playing in the prospects tournament. So maybe their spot are, is not so solidified or maybe they're trying to build confidence. I don't know. That sort of struck me as odd that they were involved in that because I, I figured they were pretty much set. Um, but aside from, you know, if you're looking up front, Taves, Kane, Saad, Debrinkit, Schmaltz, Kunitz, Kruger, are there any other real sure things uh, at forward for you? How about Artem and Isamov? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I forgot Isamov. <laughs> but yes, of course. Yeah, easily forgotten. We understand. But as- uh, aside from that, though, is there anyone that's really like this guy is for sure going to make the team, or this guy is for sure being counted on to contribute? No, you really can't make that argument. I mean, you go up and down the list of the guys who have been invited to camp. And by the way, our guy Shaw Boomhauer got invited to camp today, so the roster is now at fifty-eight thanks to him. Nice, but but uh. <laughs> So, like, you just you look at the list and you see names like Alexander 14. You already mentioned Victor Edsel. You already have seen guys like Radovan Bondra and John Hayden. Those guys are all going to be competing for roster spots during this preseason. And it's obviously going to be super fascinating. And I, I, I know you mentioned that it's mostly going to be bottom six spots up for grabs. I think there's at least one top six position open, too, because I, I – I don't think Joel Quenville is going to necessarily want to go into the regular season with Chris Kunitz in a top six role. Do you really think that's what they kind of have designs on him doing? I certainly hope not. I certainly hope he's in more of a third and fourth line 
kind of shut down, you know, kind of role like that instead of an offensive generating role. Like if that's the case, if they really think he's going to be a top six guy, then boy, howdy, this team might be more screwed than we thought. It might start that way. I, I just uh, and maybe if you want to start him on the top six, just because he's a veteran guy with some scoring history. Fine. I guess I like you can t- twist yourself into knots and convince me like, OK, fine. Like the guy has scored at some level before, but this is not an everyday answer on your top six. There's absolutely not. No, absolutely not. No way. Um, but it would not shock me to see him begin the season there. Uh, were you su- by the way, I wanted to ask you one other thing since we're kind of going through some of these younger guys. Are you surprised the Blackhawks didn't dish out a bunch of PTOs to kind of like veteran type guys this season? Yes. Like I know last year was like the Cody Franzen year where like he got handed the PTO and basically the assumption that he would get signed at some point. I am shocked they did not go out and try to get at least a couple more even like forwards to fill this thing out a little bit. Yeah, I, the thing about the Hawks is they've got a lot of guys that are kind of the same. Like, they've got a lot of forwards that are kind of like, you know, you talk about like a 4A baseball player. They've got a, got a, a lot of guys like Alex Fortine and Victor Edsel and Dylan Sakura, who's like probably on the higher end. Uh, you know, David Kampf, like these kind of guys who are, okay, they're maybe NHL players that can do okay, but there's no like real... There's no like real hot prospect. I think Sakura would be considered like a legit prospect, like a guy that can max out as yeah. a top six. But he's it's probably so- the closest guy you have to that in the forward group for yeah. sure. And even when you look at the D, like aside from Connor Murphy, you probably if you look like the pedigree has the most upside of the you know of the non Keith Seabrook uh, defenseman. But you've got a, another like Brandon Manning, Eric Gustafson. Um, you know, our uh, Jan Ruda, who was good and bad last year. There's just so many guys that are just kind of like middling. This would have been a perfect year for some cheap, you know, PTO sort of things. And like Cody Franz, we knew in what, like, didn't we? T- I think I said it like the end of the ju- end of July last year. The plan was to bring him in on a PTO. They're just not going to do it yet. They're waiting to see the cap space situation. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, it happened, right? We all knew that was going to happen. There's been nothing like that. And they brought in, who did they bring in? Brandon Davidson? Is that his name? Yep. Uh, I don't know much about him, but that's it. And uh, like, I, I just, it seems like such an easy and obvious thing to do for a team in the Hawks situation with some cap space, with some flexibility. I, I don't know. I just don't get it. It just feels like they're in this bubble of, you know, they're in Hawks land. They think everything's fine. Everyone's going to bounce back. They're like they're too close to the situation to see it for what it really is. I think a lot of people on the outside are looking at the Hawks and kind of saying, I don't know, like if everything goes right, maybe they're a playoff team, but no one sees them as a as a contender. I don't know how you can realistically look at this team as a contender in any way. So I, if I'm Stan Bowman, I've got my eyes open for any possibility. And it seems like since the free agent signings on July 1st, nothing has happened. Yeah, I mean, basically, it was free agent signings, trade Marion Hosta, done. Right. That's all they did. And like we talked about when it happened, the Hosta trade, we were waiting for another shoe to drop, and it just never did. They have this cap space, and they did nothing with it. And that, to me, that to me does not indicate that they're super confident that they're going to have this giant bounce back. Because you and I both know if Stan Bowman thinks that a guy is going to 
help them achieve something right damn now, he's going to go out and try to get that guy. And obviously we don't know whether they picked up the phone on Max Pacioretty. We don't know if they were really in on Eric Carlson. We don't know any of that. But it sure as hell doesn't sound like they were in on any of those guys. And if they're not aggressively trying to utilize and leverage that cap space to get better this season, that to me kind of signals maybe they're not so confident in what they're doing. I don't know. Yeah, but see, the weird thing is, like, Q and Stan, like, their jobs are on the line. Like, are not, they though? Like that's okay. That's maybe I don't know. The, the maybe mo- you're right. We talked about this at the draft. We don't. Were those the moves of somebody in Stan Bowman who really thinks that his ass is on the line here? No, I don't think so. I don't know, man. It's it's going to be such an interesting season. I I'm fascinated by how it's going to turn out because I truly I have no idea. I just I just don't think it's going to be good. I, I think there'll be maybe a little bit better than last year because you're going to see some growth from DeBrincat and Schmaltz and hopefully Sakura can be a guy who can come up and give you like 35, 40 points in his first year, like be another Vinny Henestroza. But there's not a lot of hope for me here, man, as far as like big picture stuff. I don't know. We're going to find out. The puck drops uh, Saturday. I'll be at the training camp festival. Are you going? I am, yes. All right, we'll have to get together. You could buy me a beer. Um, hey man, we we didn't get together at the Cubs game last night. Why should we get you together? You were at the Cubs at game. Yes, I didn't know that. Hey Jay, I was at the Cubs game last night. Oh, you're a wiener. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. So camp starts uh, tomorrow, Friday. Uh, the, uh, the training camp festival is Saturday. The puck drops on Tuesday. We're gonna have a lot of Hawks to get into in the next few days. But today was a huge day in the NHL. Lots of news happened today. Uh, major star player uh, re-ups for a long time and a lot of money. Uh, another, the biggest name on the market next summer, got traded today. We'll discuss both those moves and more when we return on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. But first, you thought I forgot. I didn't forget. Got to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. They're the place to go if you have a team, softball team, hockey team, football team, whatever, that needs outfitting, you need uniforms, Triple Threat Sports is the place to go. So check them out, triplethreatsports.com. Give them a call, 708-478-6090, or email chris at triplethreatsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. We'll be right back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, where, yes, we are talking about the impending start of training camp and the preseason for the Chicago Blackhawks who are five days away from taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets at Nationwide Arena. You're really selling that, man. That preseason action is really, man. You know you know what, man? It's all televised. You want some hockey action in your life to cleanse whatever it is the Cubs are trying to cram down your gullet. Boy, howdy, we got it for you. By the way, one more nugget. Last podcast, we mentioned how the home opener was not sold out yet for the Blackhawks. Plenty of seats still available. It's still not sold out. I just, I actually heard Dan Bernstein on your show, I think it was yesterday, say, oh, tickets are still available to the home opener. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this is where we're at right now. Pretty soon it's going to be the Chicago Blackhawks update studio and all that stuff, man. Well... Never mind. Okay. This is, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm allowed to share this information, so I'm not going to. Well, let's leave it at that. 
All right. the podcast. I want to know what this is. We'll talk to you off the air. I'll talk to you off the air. I will, right. I will, it's not super – it's not anything that, like, anyone needs to know. It's just kind of like right, a right. – it's more of like a, hmm, than a, oh, my God. So don't worry about it. If you okay. see me at a bar, ask me. I'll tell you. How about that? Um, so let's start with the big one. Eric Carlson is finally traded from the Ottawa Senators today to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, they re- acquire him, and then there's like some fodder going both ways. Um, no real. Did we ever get any clarity on how the Sharks traded a first round pick that they had already traded? Uh, I did not see any clarity on that. Because um, if I recall correctly, when they acquired Evander Kane, there was a provision. I think it, it was something involving. I think they resigned him, right? Yeah. I think if, since they re-signed him, I think the pick they send Buffalo for 2019 is a first-round pick. At least that was my understanding. So Did they have multiple, though? They might have multiple first-round picks. Yeah, I don't know where they would have gotten another first-round pick from. Like, who? Uh, uh, they didn't trade Patrick Marlowe to the Maple Leafs, so, like, who else would they have potentially moved? Like, I, I'm very curious what the deal was with that, because I had seen a lot of people kind of bring it up, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, that's right. So... I don't know. Wouldn't it be just like the NHL to be like, oh, what do you mean you don't have that pick? (laughs) You know what? The Senators probably just traded for a non-existent pick. Would that honestly surprise you? No. (laughs) No, me neither. Uh, It's a 2020 first. There's your answer. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was a 2019 first, and I was like, no, that cannot be right. No, it's okay. So here's the full deal. Carlson to the Sharks in exchange for Chris Tierney. Dylan DeMello, Josh Norris, Rudolph Balsers, love that name. Yes. 2020 first and 2019 second and two conditional picks. Okay. I believe the Sens are getting uh, – I thought somebody else was going back to the Senator. Or... Yeah, so the Sharks. One other player is going to San Jose. I forget who it is. Yes. Why can't I find this? I anyway, it's no one that really matters. So Irrelevant. Don't worry about it. Um, so the Sharks, who have been – I think we discussed this before the playoffs started. It's a team that I'd sort of been rooting for because I just like the way they've gone about the last decade of hockey. And sadly for them, they've run into the Kings and they've run into the Hawks and they haven't been able to win a Stanley Cup. And I want this team to win. I want Joe Thornton to win. I want Brent Burns to win. And I think adding Eric Carlson, whether it's a rental or not, whether they find a way to resign him or not, it's a good deal for a team that is looking to like one last big stab at a Stanley Cup with Joe Thornton on the team. Um, I like it. I don't. I don't really see a downside. I think when you're a team trying to win a cup, you go for it. They're going for it, and I love it. Eric Carlson is elite. He's great. It's just the only thing I don't like about it is still the casual hockey fan is not going to get to see a lot of Eric Carlson because you're not going to see a lot of Sharks games on TV. They play on the West Coast. You're. It's like Mike Trout. Like, it sucks that he plays in Anaheim because half the country's asleep when he's playing, mm-hmm. you know, and this is sort of not, not exactly the same. He's not that level of player, but um, that's really the one downside. But I'm happy for the Sharks. I'm glad to see Doug Wilson go out, make this deal happen. I, I think a lot of people, and I want to speak for you, but a lot of people just assumed he was going to Vegas. And uh, I'm glad to see him go to a team that looks ready to win uh, a Stanley Cup in the San Jose Sharks. Well, I think... 
the, the calculus on that changed a little bit, I think, when they acquired Max Pacioretty, because I think that was kind of their that was their big move of the offseason, obviously. And I know that they likely had the cap space and assets. They could have probably made something like that work. But I don't think Vegas was probably willing to do that for a rental player. I, I just don't. I don't think they were in the window that the Sharks are in where it's basically win now or you're done because you have guys like Joe Thornton who's approaching that age where he's either going to leave via free agency or potentially retire. You've got Joe Pavelski whose contract is going to be coming up soon. The Sharks are hitting pretty soon kind of a drop dead point in their organization in terms of the old guard kind of moving on to either other places or even potentially retirement and obviously going for Eric Carlson now and getting him now gives you the opportunity to negotiate with him for a year to try to convince him to re-sign. And if you don't, it's not like you gave up the farm to get him. So right. you're taking one more big bite at the apple. And when you look at what everybody else in the Pacific Division has done in this uh, kind of off season to get better, the Sharks absolutely had to make this move to simply remain competitive in that division. I think they've done a really smart thing. And I think that, God, their games are going to be fun to watch. Can you imagine Carlson and Burns out on the ice together? Oh, man. Boy. That's going to be a damn thing. Um, NHL 19 came out uh, this week. And I played against, I made the trade, played against the Sharks. And I, like, had the realization of, oh, 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 my God. Carlson and Burns are going to play together, aren't they? <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, you, you like forget about it. Like, oh my god, that is going to be a lethal defense. There, I mean, they're going to be really good, man. They're, I think they're already a good team, and they go out and add, you know, arguably the best defenseman in the game when they already had, maybe the second or third best defenseman in the game. That's, I mean, that's that's a tandem. Maybe they don't play them together. Who knows? But uh, they will see the ice together at some point on power plays or whatever. That's going to be electrifying. Those two guys together, it's going to be awesome. I liked how the Nashville Predators were talking smack to the Sharks on Twitter today about, yeah, well, you've got two elite defensemen. We've got four. And it's like, yeah, and they're combined one Norris Trophy. Ooh. Yeah. Four defensemen. Ooh. Like, honest, <laughs> like Nashville, obviously, is a really solid defensive team. And obviously, you and I have spoken at length about how we really do like their roster. And we like kind of the makeup, especially the blue line. But don't come at me with that notion that the Sharks aren't all of a sudden super dangerous because they have Carlson and Burns. I'll take that over what Nashville has. Yeah, me too. I think uh, I think with this move, the Sharks become the favorite in the West. I really do. I, I, I know it's I, hard I definitely to... have to agree with you, considering like the fact that I just don't think there's any feasible world in which Vegas repeats what they did last year. Hell no. Like I, I think that Nashville and San Jose are two pretty solid contenders for that Stanley Cup this coming season. And obviously other teams out west, especially in the Pacific, are going to make some serious noise too. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933, 604 Theodore Street. Go check them out. They've got the world-famous Poor Boys. That's not all they have, though. Great burgers, great chops, the seafood, the cr incredible craft beer menu, Banquet facilities for up to 110 people. Marishka's is one of my favorite places in the state. If you live anywhere south, you owe it to yourself to head out to Crest Hill. Go say hi to Joe and the family there. They've owned it forever, and it shows. It's a place that is uh, managed and cared for 
uh, a labor of love. So go to Marishka's, try that poor boy, go back, try it again. Then after like four or five visits, you'll maybe want to veer away from the poor boy just to try something else, just to mix it up um, and try literally anything on the menu is terrific. So go there, Marishka's, 604 Theater Street, close only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. Hit them up on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marishka's or marishkas.com, M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S, marishkas.com. We love them. We thank them for their continued support. They have signed on for another season of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, and we thank them for that. So, aside from the Eric Carlson trade, big news comes down today. The Dallas Stars re-signed their star winger, Tyler Sagan. Uh, face of the franchise? I guess if I had to ask the question, he's probably not. Um, well, I mean, it's either him or Jamie Ben. They're probably like the co-face. Co-face. He's got two faces, my friend. Sandy co-face, my favorite uh, Dodgers pitcher of all time. Now, look, I really <laughs> like Tyler Sagan. There's no doubt about it. This deal is eight years, $9.85 million. And by the way, Jay, how did we find that information out? That tweet... If the get... stars told us the freaking oh, yes. amount that he was getting paid. <laughs> yes. Take a lesson, NHL teams. That's how you do it. And then to add to that, the awesomeness of them actually saying, hey, we're paying this guy X amount of money. The stars came up with, as you were about to say before I rudely interrupted you with my rant about the NHL, that awesome 8-bit video man yeah god that was good i don't even want to explain it i'll try it's like a super mario brother it is super mario brothers but mario's in green he's got a beard he's got a hockey stick and he's squashing and shooting pucks at uh, opposing teams logos and when he gets past the boss that looks like a national predator uh it says congratulations tyler you know you've earned this here's a new deal check out the dallas stars twitter account it's flying around everywhere i tweeted it uh at jay zawaski 670 it's ever it's very easy to find, but check it out. By the way. Hey Jay, I also have another idea for this. Yes. I posted the story about this on the Madhouse oh. Enforcer blog on NBC. Look at you. Go to our Facebook page and you can find the link to that video. Facebook.com slash Madhouse Pod Shy. Shameless promo, baby. Yeah. We have a Facebook page. We never talk about it. And I've been updating it recently. You have so been. Go check it out, man. I also have a mailbag coming. So if anyone wants to uh, hit me ah, up for the my... Jay-Z bag is back. Yeah, hit the Jay-Z bag. Hashtag Jay-Z bag on Twitter or send us an email. You can use the Madhouse one or the uh, my work one, j.zawaski at entercom.com. Whatever you want to do, I'll find it. I'll get it. But hashtag Jay-Z bag is the easiest way to do it. So, by the way, um, so nine-year deal, right? That's what he said for Sagan? Eight-year deal. Eight year He's deal. under contract for nine because he was still had a year left on his current Off deal. Off the top of your head, how old is Tyler Sagan? I am going to guess that he is 28. He's 26 years old. Ah, dang. And my initial thought when I was at work was, okay, good deal, but eight years? How old is Tyler Sagan going to be in eight years? I believe the math would indicate he would be 35 34. when yeah. the contract ends because, remember, he's still got one year left. Yeah, uh, this is a really good deal. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I was thinking like you, like he was 28, 29. I was like, all right, well, those last couple of years will be rough, but they'll have a new CBA by then. They'll figure it out. No, he's going to be an effective player, uh, obviously barring major injury uh, for a long time. I cannot believe he's that young. 
And you know what I love, too, about this deal? And they all made it very clear, all the uh, kind of beat guys and the reporters. This deal has lockout protection, too. So even if there's a lockout, Tyler Sagan's still getting paid. Good for him. That's how You know what? That's how you need to do it, man. Yeah. I, that's how I, If I'm a star player, that especially in the NHL, that is one of the main things I'm looking for in my deal is protection from a lockout or a strike or whatever. I mean, that's – yeah. It, I, I'm re- I'm happy for him. Again, like – the Stars are another team that Jim Nill is the uh, heroic GM of every offseason, it seems, and then they fall terribly short uh, every season. At some point, you feel like they're going to break through. You know, it, it's actually it's funny. The, guy, the writer from Intercom Dallas wrote all the hockey writers for the Intercom radio stations in the Central Division and said, what do you think of the Dallas Stars? Give me like two paragraphs or three paragraphs on the Dallas Stars, and he's going to publish this whole story, how the Central Division views the Dallas Stars. And what I said was, the Stars can win the West, or they can miss the playoffs, right? Like, And <laughs> neither of them would really surprise me. They've got a ton of top-end talent. I still think Ben Bishop is a pretty good goalie. They got Kudobin as well, if that doesn't work out. It's just like, the hiring of Ken Hitchcock when he did it was so backwards for me. They had... High Spezza, Ben, Sagan. They've got high flying, you know, speedy, offensive minded players, and you bring in this defensive minded coach. It just feels like it set the organization back. Hitchcock's gone. They've got a new coach. And I think that Dallas could be one of those teams that surprises people this year. Especially, you know, now you've got Tyler Sagan locked up. He doesn't have to worry about that anymore. He can just sort of focus on playing the game. Uh, I, I think if there's a team in the West that can surprise, it might be the Dallas Stars. How much of a surprise are they really going to be, though? I mean, that I guess, like, I get what you're saying, like, just based on the inconsistency that they've had recently. But I don't know if they'd be particularly shocking if they came out of the West. Well, let me look. I'm going to ch- look up the uh, I'm going to look up the NHL odds from Bovada. Um, While you're doing that, I do have a pop quiz for you there, Hotshot. All right, let's do it. You mentioned that uh, Ken Hitchcock got fired, and then they had Lind- – was it Hitchcock and then Lindy Ruff, by the way? I thought they fired Lindy Ruff this past offseason. Because um, they obviously do have a new coach. Do you know what that coach's name is? Jim Montgomery. Correct. What college did he coach at? Denver. Boom! Jay Zawoski, two for two on the knowledge tonight. Uh, Hitchcock was a coach uh, 17 and 18. Oh, okay, so they fired Lindy Ruff to bring in Ken Hitchcock. Yeah, all right, where are these Stanley Cup ads here? Ads, odds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Stanley Cup, uh, this is compelling radio, by the way. I know, but they, they usually uh, send these very quickly, and I don't... All right, well, here, let's look back in June. Um, this is from June 12th. Um, yeah. Dallas, at that point, was 16-1 to behind the Penguins. No, this is last year. I'm an idiot. This is really great. This is Man, good. This, this is good. Super stuff. compelling. It really is good. Uh, for some reason, by the way, my you're a Gmail guy, right? Correct. For some reason, when I've been like searching for uh, emails, they're like not showing up in order. It's it's That's weird. Like not it's good. not showing up like chronologically. Oh, so they went all Twitter on us now. Oh my! Do not even get me started on that. <laughs> I actually made a tweet about that. Like, hey, fix this. And everyone, like, 23 hours later is like, hey, I just saw this. Okay, cur- yep. here we go. This is from 
September 11th, 2018. So these are the most recent odds from Bovada. Your Stanley Cup favorites, Toronto, 13-2. Not shocking. Tampa, 15-2. Not Win- shocking. Winnipeg, 19. By, by the way, another underrated story that we did not yeah. bring up yet. Steve Eiserman stepping down. What the heck, man? Crazy. Uh, Winnipeg, 19-2. Nashville, 11-1. Vegas, 11-1. Washington, 11-1. Boston, 12-1. Pittsburgh twelve to one, San Jose sixteen to one. That will obviously go up because they got Carlson. Correct. You got to go way down here to see Dallas thirty to one. Hmm. Uh, I take that. I guess I take that statement back. Thirty to one is pretty long odds. For comparison's sake, the Blackhawks are thirty-five to one. I wouldn't even put that money down. You'd basically well, be lighting it on fire. You have to know too. Like, I don't really know how this stuff works. I'm not a big gambler because I don't have any money to gamble in the first place. Um, but I, I guess like if people bet more, the odds change. So I think a lot of people just bet the Hawks every year. Cause like, I'm going to put a hockey bet on, I'm from Chicago. Well, that's why I was going to say, it's not surprising that Toronto's the favorite because they'll adjust the line to pay out less money. If more people are pounding money on the Maple Leafs. Yeah, exactly. See, you seem to understand it better than I do, but I, I, I do think like when I say surprise, I don't mean like, Ooh, they're pretty good. I mean like legit contender for the cup. Okay. I think I get- that. At some I, can, point, I can accept that premise, yeah. At some point, they could get there. And you mentioned, let's get to it, Steve Eiserman, who I said this summer on the podcast that I think he's the best GM in hockey, uh, stepped down with one year left on his deal. Uh, a lot of speculation going around about it. A lot of people just assuming he's going to head back to Detroit and they'll somehow figure out a way to like let Ken Holland go like gracefully. Like, oh, he's stepping away from the game, or he's taking a lesser role. Shoot him out of a cannon. But he's been there too long. Hall of Famer. They're not going to do that. So, um, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, That was a shocking story to me. I did not see that coming at all. And uh, maybe they were trying to re-sign him, and he said, no, I want to see what happens after my year. And they said, okay, well, then, you know, can you step down so we can kind of – it seems like you don't want to be here. It seems like you might have an eye somewhere else. Let's just move on with what we have now. So that's super interesting to me. If you're predicting what's going to happen, what do you think? What do you expect is going to happen with Iserman? This time next year, where is he? Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say this just to, like, I'm going to say the first thing, and I mean it, and the second thing is just designed to irritate you. Okay. My prediction this time next year, Steve Iserman is the basically the Theo Epstein of the Detroit Red Wings. Okay. And – Joel Quinville is his GM, and I'm going to go ahead and make another stupid prediction. Chris Jelly also be the head coach of the Blackhawks. Oh, my God. <laughs> I literally I I literally, I did. I literally threw the mic down when you said that. <laughs> what would Joel Quinville be a GM? I d- <laughs> I just was like, all right, I'm going to start normal, which is Theo Epstein role for Steve Eiserman, totally within the realm of possibility. Yeah, like this overseer of all hockey things in Detroit. Sure. I think that's totally possible. Yes. Then Joel Quenville is GM, which it's like, okay, that's like half true because he might not be the head coach in Chicago anymore. Yeah. And then completely absurd with Chris Chelios. I decided to just dial it to 11. Well, I'll tell you this. I think that it's less absurd that that would happen, then Quenville will be a GM of the Red Wings. 
I think I think it's more likely that Chris Chelios replaces Joel Quenville or Stan Bowman than Quenville goes elsewhere to be a GM. Would you jump off the top of the Willis Tower if Chris Chelios was named the head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks? No, I wouldn't. I mean, <laughs> look, it's been a long time. I, I've my meatballism, my meatball. You're softening in your old age. I'm not. I, I'm realizing the stupidity of my anger. Uh, it just it took a while and it hurt really bad when it happened like that. You have to realize like where I was in my life. Uh, I was not a professional in sports by any means. Um, that was a huge blow to longtime Blackhawks fans. Like that was kind of the final straw for a lot of people. And the fact that he didn't, I don't know. I feel like he wasn't sensitive to how it made fans feel, but realistically, like not being tongue in cheek, like I was before, about this like he didn't owe it to the fans to be polite about it he had every right to stick it to the Blackhawks and say like look screw you I want a Stanley Cup because I went to an organization that tries that knows what they're doing and I won and here it is take a look at this and take a look at these too right like (laughs) he was totally within his right to do that it pissed me off it made me it probably made me more sad than mad because Chelios was the face of the team he was like when people think about what the Blackhawks are you know, like historically, they're, you know, blue collar, physical, uh, you know, controversial, outspoken, like all the stuff that like Chicagoans identify with. That's what Chris Chelios was. And he was from here, which Chicago fans love more than anything. You know, like, there were, like everything about him was Blackhawks, at least in that era. And for it to go away in such a way. And not only that, to go to the main rival, that hurt, man. That hurt as a fan. But realistically, if he's qualified to be a GM or a coach, fine. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know enough about him. I don't really know what his role was in Detroit. Was he, like, a glorified ambassador or was he, like, actually doing day-to-day hockey stuff? That's what I need to find out. Um but if he's been doing if he was he's been doing that for what five or six years yeah so if he's if he's actually paid his dues and actually done those sort of things then i'd be willing to give it a chance but that's way down the road (laughs) we're way ahead of ourselves right now but i'm just telling you like i'm not going to cheer for him when they like honor him on the ice but if he becomes a major part of the team i'm not going to revolt i'm not going to you know, I'm not going to uh, judge him unfairly. I just you don't think Joel Quinville would want to try his hand at GM. No, I think he'd just stop. I think he'd just retire or like, why wouldn't he just here's what will happen. This is my prediction with Joel Quinville. Whenever the Hawks decide they are done with him or he's done with them, he's going to just retire and he's going to make six figures to walk around the United Center and kiss babies and shake hands and visit suites. He's going to be an ambassador forever. He's good at it. Quenville is a good dude, like a normal, like salt of the earth kind of guy. He knows how to have a good time. He likes to have a good time. He likes to, I'm saying he likes to drink. He's not a drunk, but he likes to go out. He's a, he's a normal (laughs) guy of his age with money. So he'd be a perfect ambassador. He's gregarious. He's funny. He's the perfect guy you want to go around and visit people in the suites. And I think he doesn't have the competitive streak that he would want to see if he could do it. Maybe. I just, if I'm him, and I, I'm not the most ambitious guy in the world, I think you know that, so it's hard for me to compare myself there, but, like, why? 
What, like, what more does he have to prove? He's already a Hall of Famer. Why would he tarnish his legacy by being a failed GM? Dude, Michael Jordan came back and played for the frickin' Washington okay. Wizards. You want to talk about but Michael, tarnishing legacies? Right, but Michael Jordan is, like... The most competitive person who's ever lived. Yes, of course. Like Almost like, okay, he has a problem. <laughs> like He that, probably does. Yeah, like that level of competitiveness. Michael, this is an intervention. You have a problem. <laughs> yeah, we've been meaning to talk to you about your insanity. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, we decided that a podcast would be a wonderful place to do that. Yeah. So I don't know that it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. But I think if I if I'm like placing my bet, it's that they have like a nice, graceful retirement for him. They announce it maybe like with a couple months left to go in the season. So everyone can kind of appreciate him and say goodbye. And then he just works for the team. Maybe he takes a year off to not do anything. Then is welcome back with a big ceremony and. I mean, that's what I would do. <laughs> uh, unveil a giant mustache outside the United Center. Just like, yeah, no, not actually him, just like a giant metallic mustache. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Would it be like rebar bristles? Or you... <laughs> like the possible, <laughs> or like you know those things that are downtown, like they kind of, you can like hit them and they make like a musical note. They just make yes. a giant like musical mustache. And it Have plays like Chelsea Dagger. Xylophone mustache. Yeah, you can play like Chelsea Dagger, Here Come the Hawks on it. Yep. You know what? Hey, John McDonough, you end up stealing this idea from us. We don't ask for much. Just what? Like a suite for our listeners or something? Yeah, for a season. Works for me. Yeah, I'm down with that. All right. Speaking of things for our listeners, uh, we mentioned last podcast um, that we're working on a preseason or a, a season kickoff party. I had the date booked and James kindly pointed out to me that that's during the World Series. So we probably shouldn't do it then. So I think what we're going to do is hold off till early November because people don't even really care about the Hawks until then anyway. Like, big picture. Yes, the diehards that listen to this podcast do, but if we want to get maximum turnout, we want the place we're going to go, which is Rabbit Brewing in Homewood. If we want them to be happy, we want people caring about hockey and caring about the game. So we're looking at November. We'll get you a more specific date then, and we'll fill you in on all the info there. So we haven't forgotten there's nothing to update just yet, but James and I, I think by next week, we'll pound out a date and have it for you guys on the next podcast. Um, yeah, I think it sounds about right. Okay, before we wrap up, I have a quiz for you. You ready? Yeah. All right, you don't know any... I have not given you any clues about this. I told you I was going to do it, um, So, but I, you don't know what it is. This is honest. This is James, top of his head. I'm going to be honest, you might embarrass yourself a little bit. I'm just warning you. Thank God. You. Okay. I needed to do that today. But just know that if you were doing this to me, I would also embarrass myself, so it's okay. Yay. All right, so it's a new season. There were some major transactions made this summer. Now, some of the second-tier ones, I'm going to quiz you on where these names are now. What are the new teams of these players? Okay. okay. Ilya Kovalchuk. He is a Los Angeles king. Correct. James Neal. James Neal. Um, I'll give you a hint. Ha- Do you want to go hint? ahead? Go ahead. Western Conference, not necessarily a contender. Is he a Anaheim Duck? Nope. Oh. One more hint. Canadian team. Edmonton. Nope. He's a Calgary Flame. Wow. Okay. All right. Valtteri Filppula. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I I barely remember where he was on his last team. 
he sounds like a New Jersey devil type Ooh, of guy. Ooh, you're so close. He's a New York Islander. By the way, did you see the picture of Nick Letty? He looks so deflated that he's still an Islander. I know. It sucks. Poor Nick. <laughs> All right. James Van Riemsdyk. Ah, shit. <laughs> I should know this, man. Eastern uh, Conference. He, he is a... One Dude, of the teams the Hawks beat in the in the Stanley Cup Finals. One of those teams. Oh, you said Eastern Conference. Yes. Did he sign in Philly? Yes, he did. He went back to Philly. Yeah, that makes sense. Philly. All right. Jay Beagle. Uh, You'll never I was going to say this. Colorado. He didn't end up there. He's in Vancouver. Vancouver. Okay. Yeah. Who, uh, who from the abs or the caps ended up in Colorado? Wasn't it Brooks Orpik? No, or they didn't they trade him and then he got I think they traded him and I think he re-signed in Washington. Yes, they traded him, Colorado or whoever it was. I think they bought him bought out. Bought him out. Yep. That's exactly and what happened. And then Washington re-signed him. All right, two more. Paul Stasny. Who cares? Vegas. And yeah, that makes sense. Blackhawk legend Anthony Duclair. Where did he end up? Uh Burnus in the Swedish hockey league. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. He is a Columbus Blue Jacket. That, yeah, I should have known that one. I think I made like a joke at the time that he was going to play with Artemi Panarin and score 40 goals, and they'd call it the screw Q line. It's funny. It's like all these names moved so long ago. And I, I know um, Boards and Bernstein used to do this all the time with basketball players and football players. Like, where are they now? And it's one of my favorite segments. So hopefully. Some people listening in the car were playing along with us and, and did better than James did. I gave you some tough ones, though. There weren't a ton of, like, huge name free agents this summer. No, not really. So, I mean, obviously, yeah. everybody knows John Tavares ended up in Toronto. Right. Like, did Anaheim even sign really anybody this offseason? Um, let me check. I don't have the uh, NHL free. I, I like Googling stuff on the uh, – I really like this. Yeah, this is like thing. a new segment, Jay Google stuff. Yeah. Uh, Ducks. I don't know. I can't find it. I can't think of anything. Um, and I was looking at, like, who are some of the potential guys the Hawks could, like, bring in on tryouts? PTO, yeah. yeah. There's not really anybody, is there? No. Like, uh, oh, they shine. Their big one was Luke Shen. That was their big signing. Oh, yeah. Where's yeah. Braden Shen at nowadays? Is he still in Philly? I think so. I believe he is. Um, I like when you ask me stuff in real time on a podcast. <laughs> well, you know what? You were quizzing me, oh, pal. Oh, Braden Shen is on the Hated Blues. Oh. 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 I think that was a trade. It was. He was on there last year, too. I saw Robbie Fabry got uh, reactivated by the Blues, so he'll... He should be ready to go this season. It's funny. That guy's got some potential, man. You would think so. It's funny we lose track of the Blues because the Hawks were so bad last year. Yeah, we basically <laughs> quit paying attention. True. That is the truth. All right, let's wrap this up because we're clearly out of gas. Just, it's so <laughs> obvious. People tuned out long ago. We can re really say anything right now. Like, yeah. fart sandwich. I don't know. People. Um, but anyway... Thank you for listening. Got to tell you, we did not do emails today. We'll get back to them next podcast. If you want to email us, hit us up, madhousepod at gmail.com. 
But when we do answer your emails, it's brought to you by Chuck Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. They have the best selection of barbecue, Mexican, Cajun, uh, American bar food, wings, burgers, anything you can imagine. You can get it at Chuck's. It's outstanding. I was there a couple weeks ago, and it was as good as ever, probably better than ever, to be honest with you. The Darien location, Chuck has a full-sized uh, like organic garden uh, behind the parking lot where he grows a lot of the fruits and vegetables that they use in the restaurant. Uh, it's a great place. Chuck's is outstanding. Everyone you bring there will find something they love, and they'll go back again and again and again. So visit chuckscafe.com to look at their specials, look at their menu items. The specials are where it's at. Every day you owe it to yourself to check out the specials. My favorite is the Saturday special, the Coach Needed Pabil. If I'm ever executed and they say, what's the last meal you want, that's what it will be. That's my favorite meal of all time. Go to Chuck's, chuckscafe.com. In the meantime, enjoy the beginning of the hockey season. It's only preseason, but hockey is back. Real hockey is actually back. Very excited about that. So thank you for joining us on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by the aforementioned Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, chuckscafe.com, Marishka's uh, in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933, and Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris, 708-478-6090. If you'd like to help the podcast out financially, patreon.com slash madhousepod or gofundme.com slash madhousepod. That GoFundMe account, for every $5 you pledge, you will be entered in to our charity auction uh, broadcast that will be happening in November. The Blackhawks have already pledged to help us out. The people at EA Sports have pledged four copies of NHL 19. So already a lot of good stuff uh, to give away at that event. So thanks for listening. We'll be back with you soon. For my partner, James Naveau, my name is Jay Zawoski. This has been the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Hot flashes, irritability, intimate dryness, even unsatisfying sex. Hi, I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck, a board-certified OBGYN who has spent over 20 years helping women just like you safely find relief from these very natural symptoms without having to resort to hormones. To help my patients feel their best, I recommend products from Bonafide Health. Bonafide is a women's health company dedicated to providing women with non-hormonal and clinically validated products that work. Bonafide provides safe and effective solutions to manage a range of menopausal, sexual health, and PMS-related symptoms. That's why I recommend Bonafide products to my patients every day. In fact, I am also a Bonafide medical advisor. What I like most is that Bonafide products provide women real relief without compromise. Ladies, don't waste another minute feeling less than your best. Go to HelloBonafide.com and use code RADIO39 to save 20%. That's HelloBonafide.com and code RADIO39. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Offer valid on subscription only. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I'll just take one more. Just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change, like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mm. yeah, I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.